A lot of people are wild on their application. Uh, like, you know, on their resume, they'll, they'll kind of fluff it up and they'll kind of twist the truth a little bit. So during the interview process, one of the things we look for is how honest the person really is. Are they genuine? Are they authentic? Even if they don't have all the great characteristics or all the experience in the world, are they at least telling us the truth and do we know who we're going to get? Because if you do an interview with somebody and they profess to be this really knowledgeable person with all these technical skills and things like that, but really none of it's true, and you hire that person, well then you're going to be disappointed and then they're not going to do the job as well and you've already started off with a bad foot. <laughs> but if you, can, if you can get somebody that's honest, that's authentic, that you think, okay, they can do the job pretty well but they're willing to learn, then you hire that person, you already know who you're going to get and you'll probably actually have higher expectations than what you originally thought going into it. And so I did uh, some research here, I thought this was pretty funny. There was a survey that was conducted from 400 job applicants as well as 400 hiring managers and recruiters. Um, and they, they compiled a list of the most common things people lie about on their resume. So I think you guys will find this pretty funny. Uh, the first one is a lot of people lie about having a mastery of skills they barely use, like Excel or foreign language. Like, yeah, I'm an expert in Spanish, but all, all they can say is, you know, one or two words. <laughs> that happens a lot. You'd be surprised. It does. Um, and that's one thing, too. Like, um, if you see somebody who has an applicant uh, and they're bilingual, a lot of companies now, even our company, that's attractive because we're global and we, you know, there's a lot of people that call in and do speak Spanish. It's not a requirement, but that's definitely a plus. But if you say that on there, we're going to expect you to actually know Spanish. So if we ask you about it, you're like, oh, yeah, I took a class in middle school. Okay, well, that's not that's not really bilingual, you know. Um, also, working in a company longer than they did in order to um, omit another employer. Uh, this one's funny. Uh, having a higher GPA by more than half a point. So they up, <laughs> their, they up their GPA a little bit on there thinking you won't check it. Um, holding a director title when the actual role is manager or an equivalent level. Um, earning a degree from, this one's great, earning a degree from prestigious university when they actually only, they were actually a few credits short of the completion. <laughs> I only took one class. Like, yeah, I graduated from Harvard when I only took one class over the summer. Um, um, and then uh, one of the most common ones as well is people that say they've achieved things and they really haven't. Um, now that one probably, that was probably the most common one that we see. Uh, also, one of the most common ones we see, which is sad, because they work in a Christian ministry, people will come in and say, oh yeah, I'm a devout Christian. And one of the, one of the worst things that we've ever seen in the interview was we asked the person, everybody that comes in, the Gideon's International, the first question they ask in the interview process is, hey, can you share your testimony, share your story with us, just how you came to know Christ. And, and that, an applicant came in and said, what is that? Well, they're like, and I'm like, oh no. Uh, so, um, and, they, and they really didn't know what a conversion was or what it meant to actually follow Christ. And I'm like, uh, so they, yeah, they, they just went to church some and thought that, hey, that checked the boxes for me. And so um, that's why you have to, that's why you have the interview process though, because you want to make sure who you're hiring is a right fit for the company and, and you're a right fit for them. But also you want to make sure you're hiring somebody that's being honest about who they really are. And if you're not a Christian, you apply for a Christian company saying you're a Christian, eventually somebody's going to figure that out. You know, they're going to see that the way you live and, the, and your actions. If you say you went to Harvard and had this, you know, prestigious business degree, but then you start the job and you don't have any business skills, 
people are going to figure that out. You know, they're going to fact check it and figure that out. Now, the problem is a lot of people do this in their everyday life and with a Christian. A lot of people say they're a Christian because they go to church or they go to activities or events. But in all reality, they don't really have a true relationship with Jesus. They're not truly committed to following him. What I mean by that is, you know, when push comes to shove, when life gets hard, when life gets challenging, they're going to turn to anybody else other than God. They're not, they're not really committed. They're going to, they're, they say they're a Christian because it looks good to people, or they post it on Facebook, so people give them compliments and tell what a great person they are, and things like that. But in all reality, deep down at the core, they're, being, they're, they're not really authentic. They're, they're putting on a fake persona to the world around them. And so I want us to talk to you today to stop being a fake Christian. What are some key indicators of somebody that's faking it? And what are some key indicators of a true life rooted in Christ? And so number one, you put down your notes today. I want you guys to write this down. Is God doesn't look at your resume. He looks at your heart. I want you guys to think about that. God doesn't look at your resume. He looks at your heart. You know, God doesn't care so much about who you say you are if you're not truly that. You know, think about this. I could, I could take a lot of law school classes and learn about what it means to be a lawyer and then tell people, my friends and family, oh yeah, I'm a lawyer. But unless I really have that certification and been in that practice, then I'm not really a lawyer. I'm just faking. I just know some things about being a lawyer. And a lot of us... We know about Christianity. All of us here, we've been in church. We've, we've gone to camps and things like that. But just because you know about Christianity, just because you know about the Bible, doesn't mean that you're actually a Christian. You know, what makes you a Christian is, is your heart really given to God? Are you in a relationship with Him? Because if you're not in a relationship with Him, and you're purely just going to church and every now and then reading the Bible just to check some boxes or to look good to other people or because your family's always done it or things like that, then you're not really, it's not your faith. It's not your relationship. You're just kind of going through the motions. So I want you guys to think about that today. God doesn't look at your resume. He looks at your heart. It's not so much about what you say or what you know. It's about what you feel and what kind of, are you all fit? Do you have a real relationship with Christ? Now, but your Christianity is not about knowing, it's not about knowing about Jesus, but about truly giving your life to him. Um, and we're, we're going to look here, our first verse today is in Romans chapter 10. And if we turn to Romans chapter 10, it says this right here. This is in, it starts in uh, verse 9. It says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I want you guys to catch this part here. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So it says there there's two points of being a Christian. You confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you, you say that, but you not only just say it, your heart also backs that up. You enter into a relationship with Him that changes your trajectory of your life for all eternity. 
So if you miss that second part there, and you purely just say that Jesus is Lord, but you really don't mean it, and your life's not going to change because of it, and you're not really going to give your life to Him, then you're just all talk. And in reality, that's a sign of being a fake Christian. Somebody that's just putting on this persona because they want the world to look at them a certain way, or they think it's the right thing to say, they don't have that real, deep, real relationship with Christ. It's about confessing Him as Lord, and accepting him in your heart to change your life for all eternity. And there's two parts there in Romans there that go together. And it's not only what comes out from your mouth, but truly what comes out from your heart. And I want you guys to think about this. You know, if I say that I'm a certain thing for a while, I may get away with it. I may convince a lot of people. But eventually the truth comes out. Because you can only fake it for so long. Eventually these lies catch up to you. And eventually when something bad happens, your true self shows. And I, I mention this to some people sometimes, that uh, your true self a lot of times will show when you're angry or you're upset or somebody makes you mad. You know, how you react to that a lot of times will indicate what's truly in your heart. Because I can fake it for a long time. Once somebody like makes me mad or you know, somebody hits you and makes you uncomfortable, then whatever comes, whatever's in the inside will probably come out. And if you're inside, if Jesus is not truly in your heart, the way you react will speak a lot about who really is in your heart. Or what you truly believe. Um, one thing I put here is I can tell Gracie, you know, my wife, that I love her, I love her all day long. But if I went out after I told her that and dated somebody else, uh, well, she's not really going to feel that love. My words aren't really going to make a big difference to her. It sounds like you're about to do that. What's it called? You're about to say polygamy. Oh, polygamy? Is that what it's called? Polygamy, yeah. Um, that's definitely not me. Uh, but, um, but if I did that, you know, she wouldn't believe me. You know, if I came home and I was like, yeah, I went on a date with Veronica, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Why do you I don't know. <laughs> Why do you but, um, people call me that? But uh, <laughs> if I did that and I came home, I'm like, oh, Gracie, don't worry about it. I really love you. Is she really going to believe me? Uh, no, definitely not. You know, it's just, that's not going to work. Because your actions speak a lot more volume than your words do. Um, and so, but Gracie knows that I love her, not just because I say I love her, but because I am loyal to her. I'm not going on dates with other people, and um, I also value spending time with her, and I, and I, do, um, and I do acts of service for her, and, and I can do that, but I'm not perfect at all. I'm just saying that's the way that she knows that I love her. The same thing with, with me. That's how I know she loves me. So the same thing is true in your life with Christ. You know, if you, if you say you're a Christian, but then you leave church, and you go to school this week, and you live a totally different life, the way you talk is not appropriate to people, uh, the way you treat your parents is not appropriate, uh, the way you behave is not appropriate, then what's really showing there? It's not, you're not really showing that you love Jesus. You're not the way you treat your parents. It is a big deal. It is. Um, and, I, and I put down some things here that we'll talk about in a second, but I want you guys to think about the way you live your life at church and the way you live your so life outside of church. Because if you live your life in, at church and you're praising Jesus on Sunday mornings, you're talking about him, you know, that's great. Jesus appreciates that. But if you go the rest of the week and never talk about him at all and, you know, you're cursing or saying perverted things, you're bad mouthing your parents, you know, you're doing things you, you shouldn't do, you're in bad relationships, then that Sunday morning really doesn't matter. You know, Jesus is going to look at that and say, your heart's not really in it. I, can, I know you don't really love it because of the way you live your life and the interactions. You know, it's great if you profess me on Sunday mornings. If you're going to profess me the rest of the week, then what's, what's it matter? You know, you're just faking it. 
Um, and if we believe what Jesus did on the cross, it truly should change everything in our lives. I want you to think about this. You know, we should want to serve Jesus, obey him and worship him because we love him because he first loved us. We're not just loving Jesus because he's just somebody else that we're called to love, but the Bible tells us so, although it does. We love Jesus because he loved us. I mean, think about what Jesus did for us. You know, we, we, we turned against God and we deserved hell and eternal separation from him. But he sent his only son, Jesus, to come on this earth, live a perfect life and die for our sins. Not just my sins, but your sins and those around you. So if you believe that, if you realize what Jesus truly has done for you, that he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, he's alive today. He's given you a chance at eternal life. If you give your life to him, he promises if you give your life to him, he's going to give you that love and that joy and that peace that only comes from him, not from the world, then you should want to obey him and you should want to love him. Same thing is true of your relationship today. Once you finally find somebody you want to marry and be with, if you're the right person, then even though um, you're technically married to that person, you're going to want to do kind things for them because you love them and you want to make them happy. You know, and because they love you in return, they do things for you. So because of what Jesus did for us, we should want to serve him. We should want to give back and do the best we can. You know, nothing's going to measure up to what Jesus did for us, but he doesn't call us for that. He calls us just to love him back, just to, just to, give, him, to give him whatever we have, the best we have. And that's the relationship that we're called to. Um, and then number two here, I want you guys to write this down. This one kind of went off on a little bit. A mark of a true Christian is a person that lives differently. I want you guys to write this down. A mark of a true, a true Christian is a person that lives differently. A mark of a true Christian is a person that lives differently. And what I mean by that is that if you understand the love of Jesus like we just talked about, that he has for you, what he's done for you, and you decide, okay, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to commit a relationship to him today. The Bible says when you do that, His Spirit enters within you. That's where the Holy Spirit, we talked about the last several weeks, His Holy Spirit enters within you. And His Holy Spirit then directs you to live for Him. And it guides you in life to the will of God. So without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to honor God fully. Because His Holy Spirit is the one that's going to direct you on what God's will for your life is and how to honor and please Him but also how to have joy in the midst of terrible circumstances, how to have peace, how to have love and kindness, compassion, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know, if you understand the love of Jesus and what he did for you, you give your life to him, his spirit enters in you, and you begin to live the life you were created to live from the beginning. And so I want you guys to listen to Acts here. We're all in the New Testament here today, and in these two chapters that kind of go back together, and Acts chapter 2 says this. I want you guys to think about this. And it's Acts 2.38. You can write this verse down if you want to. Acts 2.38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And now what are you going to do when you do that? You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So once you repent of your sins, you realize, I'm a sinner I can't live this life on my own. I'm never going to measure up. I need to give my life to Jesus because he died on the cross for my sins. And I'm going to commit to following him. Once you don't just confess that, but you mean it in your life, you say, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to start to follow you from this day forward. 
I may not be perfect. I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes, but I'm going to try. I'm going to dedicate to trying to live my life for you the best I can going forward. When you do that, his spirit says, right here in Acts, enters within you. You know, non-believers don't have the Holy Spirit within them. That's a gift God gives you when you accept Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit enters within you. And then through that, the Holy Spirit begins to change you. It begins to show you who God created you to be. It begins to show you God's plan for your life. It begins to show you, you know, how God wants you to live. And you live differently. You have, and so I want you guys to think about today. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? If so, your life should look differently. So I want you guys to ask yourself some questions today. And I want you guys to just, you can write these down if you want to. I want you guys to personally reflect on these. This is the indicator on, is the Holy Spirit really living in you? Is your life really changed for the gospel? In the way you talk to people, the way you think about things, what you watch when no one is watching, and in your relationships are a good indicator. And some key questions are, is the way I talk to my parents how Jesus would? No, think about that. The way I talk to my parents, the way I talk to authority, the way I treat my teachers, is that how Jesus would? Jesus came and, and sat right beside you today and said, hey, Bradley, um, do you think the way you talk to your parents and teachers is how I would want you to talk to them? Could you really say, yeah, I, I think so, Jesus? Or would you say, no, I, I think I'm falling short in that? Number two is, is the language I use the language Jesus would use? Number three is, is the person I'm dating someone Jesus would approve of? Would Jesus approve of that relationship and honor that relationship and bless that? And then lastly, I want you guys to think about, would Jesus say I have a relationship with him? And what do you say I'm truly following him? Because it really doesn't matter what you say. It matters what he thinks. And if your life is given to him, then yeah, he's going to obviously say that. But there's a question there to that, you know, I don't know if Jesus would really say I have a relationship with him. I don't know if he'd really say that I'm following him. Or if there's a question on some of those other actions there, then you have to think about, is the Holy Spirit really living in you? And if not, then today I encourage you guys to give your life to him. You say, Jesus, I, I, I'm going to commit to you as my Savior and Lord the rest of my life. I'm going to repent of my sins and give my life to you and start living differently. The Holy Spirit will enter within you and you start to live differently. You start to be changed for Jesus. You have to give your life to him and get right with him. And lastly today, as we conclude, the last mark of a true Christian is one that shares his love with the world around him. So the last mark of a true Christian is one that shares his love with those around him. If you are a Christian and you've experienced the Holy Spirit within you and you are somebody that's living for God and you're doing the things the best you can, obviously no one's perfect, but you're doing the best you can, then the next big step of being a Christian is to begin sharing that with those around you. <coughs> begin to shine that light into the world of darkness that we have today. And I want you guys to look right in that same chapter, well, actually the chapter before, in Acts chapter 1, and it says here, Acts 1a, and i got to pull to it here, it's a little sticky, okay, uh, let's see. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Acts 1a, and it says here, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. What do you guys know that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes within you? What Jesus is saying there is that, yeah, without the Holy Spirit, apart from that, if you go and try to share your faith with others and try to do things for me, it's going to be scary, it's going to be hard, and you're probably going to fail. But he's saying that if you have the Holy Spirit within you, whatever I call you to do, you can do it. Because the person that's working inside of you is now the Holy Spirit, not yourself, not your own spirit. And, and through the Holy Spirit, you can accomplish whatever God's calling you to do. So whether it's to go overseas, whether it's to go next door, whether it's to go into your school, whatever God's calling you individually to do and to share the gospel, he's saying when the Holy Spirit comes within you, you now have the power to do what God wants you to do. He's going to give you the confidence, the strength, the ability. He's going to give you the words to say in the moments you don't know what to say. And he's going to guide you through that process. And so... I want you guys to read one last thing here, one last verse today. It's in Matthew. This is the words of Jesus. Most of you guys, I think, would know this chapter. It's called the Great Commission, and it says this. It's in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So I want you guys to, to catch this thing as we close here this morning. It's not a suggestion in the Bible to evangelize and say, hey, you're a Christian. May this be a great thing to do. It's actually a command in the Bible. Jesus says that if, if you've now given your life to me, don't hold this gift in yourself. Give it to others. Share it with others. And as a church, it's truly our mission, the number one priority that we have as a church family and you as individuals, as Christians, all of us, myself included, the world doesn't need more political advice. They need Jesus. And they need to know what he did for them. And that's our number one mission as a church is to share what he's done for them. And because if, if think about this, the world we live in today is it, pretty simple. I mean, it's bad, okay? And our culture is constantly changing. And if we try to be a church that just talks about political issues all the time, or a church that says, well, these sinners out there, they're terrible people, and we're just going to down them and things like that, we're not going to change the world. The early disciples, how they changed the world was through <laughs> loving people and showing them what Jesus did for them. And then when those people gave their lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit changed them, and they started to live differently. And as a church, if we can get to the point where we're not so critical of everybody else, and we're so much talking about political issues, but instead we're focusing on raising up disciples, sharing the gospel with the world around us, teaching them the truth, when somebody gives their life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will then begin to change them, and they will start to live differently. And then our world will look differently and start to change the world for him. Um, now, as we close here, it doesn't mean that you tell everyone that they're wrong for not believing, but you show them the greatest truth of the world in love, and that can change their lives for all eternity. You can start small, but don't get comfortable there and don't stay there. We're not supposed to live a life of comfort, but we're supposed to live the life that we're called to live. And the life we're called to live is one that we're called to live for Christ and to share this truth with others.
So start small, share with your friends and family, go in a group, you know. Um, but then as you work your way up, you know, go on a mission trip like we did this summer. That was awesome. You guys that did that, I think you guys were all stretching, expanding. You guys did a wonderful job. I was very proud of you guys. And then maybe start passing out Bibles or tracts on your own. And then taking that last step will be then start having one-on-one -on -one conversation with, with those people you meet and start going to that level. Again, you don't have to start there, but wherever you're at right now, don't be comfortable to stay there. Start to do more and more. You know, if you're currently going to a relationship with someone, that's great. Keep doing that. But in the meantime, start sharing with others as well. You know, it's not something that we share with one person. We're like, okay, we'll check the box. It's an everyday lifestyle that we share with those around us and we, and we give the love of Christ to those we see. So let's get back to being Christians again and shine a light into this world of darkness. <clears throat> Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray just as we conclude today that you show us, God, what it means to truly follow you. It's not just something we say, but it's the life we live. It's our heart commitment to you. As we may in the room today hasn't truly given their lives to you, they repent of their sins today, trust you as Lord and Savior, and commit to following you from this day forward. And God, I ask that when that happens and the Holy Spirit enters within them, they, they start to be changed for you, and they start to share your word with others. You give them confidence and strength. We encourage and support one another. And God, that we start to share your word with those around us, and we shine a light into this world of darkness. When people see us, they ultimately see you. And then we pray. Amen. All right, um, guys, it's really close to time, so let's just go ahead and head on.